as I was going through this, I mean, God just began to stir my spirit. And even to the point of last night, I know Pastor CJ was praying for this service this morning and praying for me because I, I woke up several times last night just praying, seeking God and saying, God, there are people that are going through trials even today that just need a little bit of reminding that even in the midst of those trials of our life, he is still there. He is still in control. And it doesn't matter what's going on in our life. He's going to shield us. He's going to protect us. Even when we think the world is just crushing us, he's right there holding us together. And so in James chapter 1, verse 2 uh, through 4, it says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Let's hold it just right there for just a moment. To a lot of people, that word is a bad word. Because how many knows with our human nature, we don't like patience. When we want something, we want it now. And that's the society that we live in today is, I want it now. I don't want to be patient. It doesn't matter what it is. It could be a new car. It could be a new home. It could be uh, a vision that God gives us. And we know that God is wanting us to do something. We want to do it right now, right now. And God is just saying, hold on. It's not time. Be patient. Let me open the doors. Don't beat down the doors. Let's go on. In verse, th uh, let's read, reread verse 3 and then go into verse 4. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Also in 1 Peter chapter 4, Verses 12 through 13, it says, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trials which is to try you, as though some strange things happen to you, but rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's suffering, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for all the greatness that you are and everything that you have done for us. And we just pray that you would just use me as your mouthpiece this morning and that you would anoint every ear to hear, Lord Jesus. And we just ask you that you would work in our hearts today and prepare us for the great things that you have in store for us. And we just thank you and praise you. Amen. As I said, I want to look at some people in the Bible that had to go through great trials and one thing that I was looking at when I started looking at the different types of trials is that there are different ways trials can be brought onto our lives. First off, there's, there's just what they call natural trials. Things that's just going to happen because it's life. There's no way to prevent it. It's just things that's going to happen to us in life. Then there are uh, different types of trials that will come against us because of the decisions we make as humans, the sins that we commit, the things that we bring upon ourselves. And then there are things that just comes upon us because God is testing us. He will allow certain things just to see if we're going to be faithful. He doesn't bring those things, but he allows things to happen, you know, and we're going to look at each one of these different things through the uh, 
the men of God that is placed. Now, I'm not, I'm not trying to exclude the ladies, but because there are stories in the Bible that relates to ladies going through trial, you can look at Naomi and Ruth and uh, different areas, but these are the ones that I feel like God wanted us to look at today. The first one we're going to look at is Joseph. You know, Joseph had a dream when he was a young kid that his family was going to bow down to him and that he would basically save his family. And uh, as a teenage boy, he kind of got a little big-headed. And he went to his brothers and told him that, you're going to bow down. How many knows that brothers don't like that? Siblings don't want to think that they're going to bow down to you one day. So what did his brothers do? They gathered him up and they sold him into slavery. And there, God started working with him and say, okay, when I give you a dream, let me have your, my timing in these things. So he, he was slow, uh, sold into slavery. Um, he, he gained, uh, uh, he basically gained favor in the, into the owner's house where he was able to work freely, and then the woman got involved. Get knocked him back down, humbled him again. And so he was thrown into prison, and uh, through the, uh, being in prison, God gave, granted him more, uh, uh, more of a gift to interpret dreams. So he started interpreting dreams for these prisoners. And it got to the point where those prisoners was let free and he, they worked in the kingdom and uh, the king had a dream. No one could interpret, but one of the workers that was back in the palace working remembered that Joseph interpreted a dream. So they brought him forth. He interpreted the king's dream and was telling them, we're going to go through a great famine. We need to start preparing and uh, storing up food so we don't have to worry about the famine. It happened. The king saw favor, put him in charge of many different things. His family came to him because they was running out of food. So even though his dream came true from the very beginning, it wasn't God's timing for him to share that dream. And that's a lot of times that we can get into the same aspect of life. We get so excited. We come to Christ. We give our life to Christ. And God gives us a vision and a dream that he wants us to do. And we just go straight forward without any kind of preparation. And how many knows when you're trying to do things in life, there got to be preparations to get things done. You can't just jump in and build a mega empire without getting the groundwork done first. And so we have to be patient. We got to learn that when God gives us these dreams and these visions of things he would like to see us do, we need to prepare our lives to receive those things. Sometimes it may take years to pray and seek and wait for God's opening. Sometimes it's just months. But we have to wait on God's timing and be patient, not so ready to go out and tackle the world. It's a good thing that we have that drive, that we want to see the world change, and we want to see people's lives change. But we need to be in God's timing and his will. Let's look at Job. Everybody knows the uh, story of Job. Uh, and I'm just going to paraphrase the first uh, three chapters. God, 
uh, in chapters 1 through 3 of, uh, uh, of Job, it tests Job's faithfulness through the allowing the, that Satan to attack him. God told Satan, behold, all that he has is in your power. Only do not put your forth your hand on him. So basically, you could do anything to Job that you want to except take his life. That's the only thing Satan could not do is take his life. Through Job's trials, all is lost, including his health. His wife, even his wife, tells him to curse God and commit suicide, basically. But he remained strong through everything. He lost everything he had. He was a very wealthy man. He had servants. He had livestock. He had a great family. He lost it all. But he stand firm no matter what. He wasn't going to let Satan win. And this is where basically a test of showing that uh, sometimes God will allow things to happen to us just to test us. Just to make sure we are not only talking the talk, but we're walking the walk. And so he had everything taken from him. But if you read later on in, in the book of Job, you will find out because of his faithfulness and because he was so true to the one true God that he got everything back times two. Now, he didn't get his original sons back, but he had more kids. And it's because he stand firm in the doctrine of Jesus Christ. He stand right along with God. No matter how bad life got, he stand firm. There has been times in my personal life that I've wanted to throw in the towel. There's been times I've been in ministry and I've been working with certain young people in the youth group and it's almost like you see a little bit again and all of a sudden, wham, there's a wall. You get so excited because they're starting to grasp what God is going and then something big in their life and they're out the door. And I'm like, God, what am I doing here? If I'm not able to change their life, what am I doing here? And I've been wanting to throw in the towel. Or there's been times in my life where great trials came my way, and I'm like, I don't know if I can handle this anymore. And just about every time I get to that point, this song comes back in mind through the fire. My weakness is made strong. He doesn't promise and that's where a lot of people misconcept the walk of Christ is a lot of times people think once they give their life to Christ, it's a bed of roses from there. That's not the way life works. That's not even the way Jesus walked on this earth. When he walked on this earth, he didn't have it easy. He didn't have everybody just falling at his feet, worshiping him. He had trials. He was faced by temptations from the devil. Even to the point of on his death, people was making fun of him, spitting on him, cursing him. And so why do we think if Jesus went through all that, that we should have a bed of roses for us? We have to endure trials in our lives. Because when we go through those trials of life, that is where our uh, where, where our testimony really comes through. Because the Bible tells us that we are to be a light into this dark world. And how can our light shine if everything's a mountaintop experience? 
when everything's going good, how can our light really shine? Because if we don't have any uh, trials in our life, then we're like, hey, look at me. God's blessing. I don't have to worry about anything. People are going to look at you and be like, ugh, you make me sick. But when you face the same trials that they do, go through the same things that they do on a day-to-day basis, and they see you keeping your faith in God and, and how God is helping you and guiding you through those things, that's when the light really shines into people's lives. And that's what he's called us to do. That's why that we, when, when we go through those trials, we should not let those trials really get to bothering us too much. And, and don't let the weakness blurs our vision. During those tough times, we need, need to keep our eyes upon what God has promised us. That we are to have everlasting life with Him. To know what our end goal is and to keep it in sight. Also, let's look at David. King David. He had many different trials. He had just about every type of trial that you can think of. You know, King David, first off, he had a king that was jealous of him because God's blessing upon his life. Even to the point where that that king was trying to get him killed because he knew he was going to take his place. Now, that's a circumstance that David did not have no control over. It's a trial that just happened in life. But also, we can look at David's life, and, you know, he was a man after God's own heart, but he was a human just as well. And he had trials through the whole ordeal with Bathsheba. He let his fleshly man get in the way of what God has purposed for him. And he fell into sin with Bathsheba even to the point where there was two murders. And so things began for the rest of his life to come as trials because of his decision to get a little bit laxed in life and to fall into temptation. So that's stuff that he brought upon himself. Decisions he's made. But even at the end of his life, he yes, he made mistakes, but he was, he was willing to get back on his knees and say, God, help me. Forgive me. Change my life. Let me continue to be the man after your heart. And God saw the sincerity of his repentance. And continue to use him in his way. And also, we can look at three men. They was actually teenagers during the time. And I'm sure everybody's heard this story because it's, it's a big one for children's ministry. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Three Hebrew boys that didn't matter what the king said king nebuchadnezzar he put he made this golden image and said we're going to bow down and worship when the music plays and i could just picture it in my mind that during this day when this was going to happen there was crowds probably over thousands of people out there waiting for the music to play and these three hebrew boys were probably walking around in the crowd probably just visiting with some friends and all of a sudden the music began to play and Everybody bowed down, and those three guys just kind of stood there. 
just looking at each other. We're like, what's going on? And, of course, the king got word about this and, of course, called those three bo uh, boys up to him. He said, okay, guys, I'm going to, and I'm kind of paraphrasing, just so you know, I'm not going exactly what the scripture said. But this is how my mind would think that it kind of worked out. But the, the boys was brought up between, uh, before the king, and he said, I'm going to chalk this up as you just didn't know. You didn't get the word, the memo. So I'm going to have the music play again, and you're going to bow down and worship this idol. So the king looked over at his musician and said, okay, let's play the music. Those boys just stood there. They weren't going to bow because they knew the one true God. They weren't going to bow to some image. The king got, really got mad at this point. And he ordered that the fiery furnace, because that was part of it in the decree that if they did not bow, they would be thrown into the fire. And so he ordered for that fire to be heated up seven times harder than normal. So hard that when the uh, guard went to open up the door, he was burnt. They threw him in. He was, they was all bound up. And they threw him in. The king got up so he could watch him be burned. And he looked at his advisors at the time and he said, did we not throw three men in the fire and they was bound? And his advisors was like, you was there. You know there's three men. Why are you asking that question? He said, the reason why I'm asking that question is because there's four men in the fire. None of them is bound. They're walking around. And one of them looks like the Son of God. So he ordered for them to come out. And when they came out, not a hair on their head was singed. They didn't even smell like smoke. And these three guys even told him, even if my God does not provide, I'm not going to bow down to anyone else. And the king said, you know, apparently your God is the one true God. They stood up in the face of their trials. Didn't care what the consequences was going to be. And God kept his favor on their life and that's what i want you to know church this morning that it doesn't matter what life may throw our way it may not be anything that you could ever prevent it may be something that maybe come along because of a decision that we made or it may just be god testing us but as it doesn't matter what comes our way as long as we stay faithful we stay even in those tough times, we're still worshiping God. We're still keeping the joy of the Lord in our lives. Then he's going to guide us through and he's going to make us stronger. And because he's going to make us stronger, he's going to everyone that's looking up. And I don't I don't care how old or how young you are. Someone is looking up to you. And God can use those weaknesses, those trials in our life to be a a light for someone else. That's one thing I try to tell the kids in our house all the time. Is that God can use you. Even at your age. To win somebody else to Christ. To give somebody else hope. To give them that blessed hope. That they don't have to be on their own. They don't have to be by themselves. That somebody loves them.
that cares so much for them and wants to see great things out of their lives. Even if we don't see the blessings here on earth, that's okay. Because the blessings that's going to come at the end of life is so much greater than anything this world could ever offer us. Yes, it's great to be able to have nice things, to have a good home, to have a nice bank account. But that's only petty things to what God is going to give us once we make it to heaven. So let's don't get gloom and despair when trials come our way. But let's get excited. Say, okay, this is another opportunity to me to show how strong my God is. Because it's through my weakness he is made strong. And that's the way God works in life. He works the best when we say, okay, God, I can't do it anymore. Because then he can prove himself not only to us, but everyone that's around us. Because when, when people know that within ourselves we cannot make it, they're going to automatically know, think, man, whatever they have is so much greater than I have. Maybe I need to look into that. Because they know that we as human beings cannot handle the pressures of life. I tried walking that life without God. I try to run from the calling that God has placed on my life many times. And every time it brought me down to rock bottom, I'm like, you know, it's not worth it. Me trying to run my own life is not worth it. Because I only led it to destruction in my life. When I began to give God everything and allow God to use me and say, okay, God, I don't want to make any more decisions in my life. I'm going to follow your guidance in everything. That's when my life became joyous. That's when I have been the happiest. Is when I finally got to the point where I said, "Go, okay, God, I'm not in control of my life. You are. You use me. You guide me. And I kind of joke with this in the youth group all the time. But uh, I don't even buy a coffee pot without talking to God about it. Because, and, and the reason why I say that is because anyone that knows me knows that I love coffee. I have my regular pot of coffee. I have my single-serve coffee. And I have my espresso machine because I love coffee. And uh, so to me, going out and buy a coffee pot is like heaven almost. The bigger, the better uh, coffee machine, the better. And uh, so I kind of use that as an illustration to especially to uh, my young people is that I'm not even going to go buy a coffee pot without making sure God's okay with it. Because I want to make sure every decision I make in life is his will for my life. And I tell them all the time, now, you don't have to pray for a coffee pot. If you like coffee and you want to go buy a coffee pot, if you've got the money, don't go into debt over it. But go get it. But for me, 
I have to make sure it's okay with God. Because I could spend thousands of dollars on coffee pots and coffee supplies <laughs> before I know it. And my, my wife would agree with you. <laughs> because one thing I've done that she kind of got upset with me about is we uh, our mixer kind of started leaking on the bottom. We bought it used at a, uh, at a flea market. And, uh, and I, of course, I like iced coffee, so I blend my uh, coffees and, and uh, make frappuccinos and all kinds of different stuff. And so I went out and just bought an $80 blender. She got very upset. She's like, I need clothes, and here you are buying a blender. <laughs> Our son needs clothes, and you're buying a blender. So, needless to say, I've learned I better start praying and asking for permission from God if I need to get a blender or a coffee pot or something like that. A little, little kind of funny story just to kind of lighten the load a little bit. But let's just remember that no matter what comes our way, God has us. He has it in control. He's still on the throne. And as long as we put our faith and our trust and all of our life into him, we're going to be made strong. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your word. I thank you for your son that died up on that cross for my sins and for everyone else's. And I just pray that you would just use this time to really instill in us more and more about how great, how merciful and how awesome you are. That even in the midst of the trials of our life, you're there just to say, I'm here. Just put those things on me and I'm going to bring you through this fire once again. And I'm going to bring you stronger than ever before. And I just pray right now that with every person under the sound of my voice, you know exactly where they are in their walk with you. You know what's being tempted and tried in their lives. And I just pray that they would just give it all to you. And trust you. And I pray blessings upon their lives as they move forward from the day, Lord. That you would help them to go through those trials and be stronger than before and let the light shine to the people all around them. That we can be the light into this dark community. And that people would become to know you through those trials. I'm just going to open up the altars. They're really never closed. But I'm just going to open up these altars for you to find a place. You can pray right where you are if you would like. But I just want you to know that this is the perfect time to make sure that everything's in your life is where it needs to be with God. And if you are going through those trials of life today, that He is there to guide you, to strengthen you, to make you strong. So let's just spend the next few minutes, just no big hurry, but just spend the next few minutes just praying and giving God everything that we have and allow Him to work in our lives this morning.